tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. That has got to be one of the most annoying sermon bumpers ever. So much noise. Um, but parents, isn't that what we feel like? So many times we have something really great to say and there's so much just overpowering it. Thank you for celebrating Mother's Day with us and for being here. Um, let me set this up right out the gate. Um, moms, I'm really sorry. I've tried so hard. It is one of the most stressful things in the world is to try to figure out how to be a mom. And I've spent the last couple weeks in preparing for today trying to understand what you go through. Um, and I got nothing. I, I've prayed, tried to pray like a mom, tried to think like a mom. Pregnant ladies are so scary, so I tried to think like a pregnant lady. Um, it stressed me out. Like, seriously, it's been a rough week trying to get ready with all the stuff that you guys have to put up with. So thank you, moms, for doing what you do and for being mom. Man, that, there should be an award way bigger. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, moms, for what you do. That was my mom that was reading um, the passage we're actually going to use today, kind of in the, in the video. Um, today, though, let, let me set this up. Men, I, I've tried as much as I tried to be mom. Um, really, all I got was that thing where you lick your fingers and fix the hair. That's pretty much all I got down. And outside of that, obviously, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, men, you're going to have to explain a lot of this, I think, to your wife on the way home. Um, I, I've, I've tried so hard to think like a mom and to be a, a Mother's Day message, and this is still... Man, you're just going to have to help me, man. You're going to have to talk this through with the ladies on the way home and explain to them some of the things we're about to talk about because no matter how hard I tried, I still wound up in UFC and um, I, that's just what's, where we're going to go. So bear with me just for a minute, moms. I promise there's a point in this that we're going to get to. We're just going to have to take a little bit of a ride to get there. Um, and, and this is why. I, I think back to the women that mostly impacted my life, which would be my mom, my grandmother, and my great-grandma. And I, I think back to them, um, they lived in Clovis, New Mexico, which if you've never been to Clovis, there's a reason. Um, no, don't clap, really? Clapping for Clovis, woo. I'm gonna have to pray again real quick for y'all. Um, Clovis was rough for me to go back to, and, and it, nothing bad with the town, just, um, I don't know what it was, something about Clovis, but we would go there, and it would be, my, and get this, it would be my mother, my grandmother, and my, my great-grandmother all in the living room, and all that they ever watched on television was two things. They either watched baseball, which is what we do when we go to heaven, or they watched, don't, you know it's true, or they watched wrestling. Um, and they wouldn't call it wrestling because they would correct you because my grandmother said it was wrestling, and that's just what we went with and we were afraid of her. 
So we would go in and we were either watching baseball or we were watching wrestling. And I remember it, man, just like it was yesterday. This was the real stuff, not the fake stuff that we see today. This was like the Iron Sheik and the Camel Clutch coming out and getting you in these holes. This was Hulk Hogan coming out when he was young and could do Andre the Giant. Um, this was the real deal. These guys would go out and I'll never forget, man, I, I can see it now. My great grandma sitting on the edge of her seat screaming at the refs he's pulling his hair and she would just start yelling and going crazy then my grandma would pick in and then my mom would kick in then I would kick in because I didn't know what else to do so we're all yelling at the tv and then my grandfather would come in and be like y'all gotta stop it's television they can't hear you and he would try to be the voice of reason over our wrestlemania that was happening in their living room but that was a, a normal occurrence at my grandparents house so for me to go from that to stuff like UFC and MMA was a real easy ride for me because I, I grew up watching that. I grew up, man, that was a part of my life. And I grew up just loving that. There, there's something about these two guys that are trained to just beat the fool out of each other. That's awesome. You stick them in a cage and man, they, they've been trained to like make the other person get knocked out or pass out or quit, tap out. That's it. That's their job is to go into this little octagon close the cage door behind you and you just beat this other person till they quit or they get knocked out in the name of Jesus. And it is awesome. <laughs> and I love, man, I love watching that. It's a part of what I do now. My neighbors, I'm scared to death what they think in our house because we turn that stuff on and we're screaming. Now I'm teaching my kids how to do this because that's what parents do. He's got a chair and we're yelling and we're screaming and it's choke and we're, we've got all this stuff. Um, it's really not happening in the home if you live by me. It's just we're getting into it and we're yelling at the TV because we're kind of nerds. Um, Love watching that stuff. Love being a part of it. Um, August of last year, and mom, stick with me. I, I, I warned you up front and we're getting somewhere. August of last year, um, I, I have a friend who's a professional fighter. Um, he's actually, he's 5-0 and right now. None of his fights have gone past the first round. So the dude fights super heavyweights, um, over 260 pounds, just knocking fools out, going in and just crushing them. Just won his fifth fight, um, won in the first round also. But performing his wedding, he called me, he's like, hey, Tim, I want you to do my wedding. So I was like, dude, that's awesome. So I fly to Denver, Colorado, and I get to officiate this guy's wedding, and I'm the smallest guy in the wedding party, which was intimidating. Um, these guys are huge, these enormous men that beat people up for a living. So I'm thinking, if I mess this up, oh my gosh, I'm writing a note, so just if something happens to me, Paula, this is where I was, it's Josh's fault. Something, um, letting her know what's going on. Um, but before the wedding, the day before, they come in and like, hey, dude, we're going to go to UFC 150 in the Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado, and we've got fight seats. We're going to get to walk in with the fighters, and we're going to get to kind of hang out and watch this pay-per-view live, and we're going to put you in with us. And I was like, this is the greatest day of my life. I felt like one of my kids had just been born again. It was awesome. <laughs> I go to this arena, 13,000 plus, over 13,000 people fill the Pepsi Center, and we're watching these two guys go into this cage. And I don't know if you've ever seen this stuff live, but it is electrifying. You walk in and there's people standing, they're yelling, they're screaming from nonstop from the time in between fights. People are still yelling just because that's what they're doing. Going crazy. There's this dude named Bruce Buffer who's possibly the coolest old guy in the world. That's what I don't want to be when I grow up. He walks in and his job is to introduce the fighters and he gets all into it and he's like, and fighting in the blue corner. And then he, he kind of Jedi mind tricky a little bit and gets all into it and gets all worked up and introduces the guys. Crowds are going crazy. Non, I mean, never, never touched my seat the whole time. I never knew what to do because I'd never been to one live before. So at my TV, I yell all sorts of really dumb things and my kids and my wife make fun of me. Um, and I just do it because that's part of how God's raised me. Live though, I was a little nervous. And I'm sitting with guys, this is what they do for a living. 
And I didn't want to look like an idiot, so I did what any smart person would do. I yelled when they yelled. If they got excited, I got excited. Um, and I just made sure I followed their lead. So I'm following these guys through the whole thing, and I've noticed some things going on during the fight, and they're kind of getting excited. So when they yell, I'm yelling. And when they're pointing and high-fiving, I'm high-fiving back and pointing at stuff too. Um, and then the, the final fight of the night comes on. All these fights, several hours we've been there, the, the last fight, man, they, they come out and it's, it's Benson Smooth Henderson, which if you got a nickname Smooth, that's sick. That's, that's cool right there. Smooth Henderson. He's coming out. He's fighting Frankie the Answer Edgar, which that's not bad. You got the answer. You got questions. He got, the, I don't know where that goes. They're fixing to go in and, and battle. So these guys come out. Music is booming. Stereo places rocking. Everybody's singing their song. They're coming in. They get in the cage. Bruce Buffer does that whole thing, gets them all introduced, gets them going, gets them in their sides. And then, boom, the cage door shuts. And these two guys beat the fool out of each other for five rounds. Five rounds, these guys are in there just pounding on each other, punching each other in the face, kicking each other, taking arms and trying to break them. Awesome. I'm screaming, I'm pointing when my friends are. And then around the fifth round, it hits me. There's 13,000 plus people in this arena. Over 13,000 people yelling at these two guys inside the cage, screaming at them, yelling out all sorts of instructions. A lot of it I think they made up. They were saying words that I've watched this a long time and I've played UFC 2009 on Xbox, so I'm pretty much an expert on this. They were saying things that I don't think existed, yelling at them. And I'm looking around at me, and outside of the guys who I'm standing beside, almost everybody in this arena is on about their seventh or eighth nacho, have had at least six or seven corn dogs, and no telling what else in between all that. And they are yelling instructions to these two guys who train nonstop every day to do what they do who have been beat up their entire life. And I'm looking at people who haven't been in a fight since probably third grade, giving them instructions on what to do next. And it hit me. How do you hear the coach over 13,000 people who have no idea what's going on? Because the coach is there and he's got a really cool job. The, the coach in this, his job is to come into the ring and he spent the last six to eight weeks of your life training you for your opponent's weakness. So the coach goes in and he researches what that guy's not good at. He teaches you how to take what you are good at and how to manipulate that and attack his weakness. And so for six to eight weeks, this guy is bleeding into these guys' life. He's teaching them. He, he's just working on them. He, he's trying to get their game tight, trying to make what they do better and trying to make what they're not good at better. So when they get into that cage and the door is shut, they have the best chance to win. And their coach is sitting over there in the corner and 13,000 plus people are yelling instruction to these guys and their coach is right there. And I'm like, how do you hear him over all of this noise? Parents. How do you make your voice louder than the thousands upon thousands of voices right now that are speaking into your kids' lives? How do you get your voice to where it stands out over the crowd of people yelling? Because they have no idea what's best, but they're yelling encouragement, they're yelling words, they're yelling things at them. How do you get your voice to be louder and stronger? How do you get it to be heard? If you've got your Bible, man, go to John 10. That's where we're going to go this morning is John 10 and read through this. Um, I 
John 10, we're going to pick it up in verse 1 and just read these first five verses and then kind of see where God takes us. Um, do this with me. Let's pray before we dive into his word because he's going to have to do something because if it's just me, um, I'm wasting y'all's time. Jesus, thank you for today. God, would you speak for me and God, would you let the words in this book come alive? Jesus, you spoke these words thousands of years ago, but they're still true to us. So God, as we read your book and as we look at this passage, Jesus, would the truth that's found in this be made so evident in our lives today that we have to walk out of here different in your beautiful name. Amen. Amen. John 10 verse one says this. It says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter into the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will never run away from him because they do not, I'm sorry, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Parents, how, moms, how, how cool would it be for this to be true in the lives of our kids, for them to hear our voice and to follow that, and when somebody speaks something that's not truth or not helpful in their life, to run away and to flee from that voice? Would that not be the greatest parenting moment of your life? For you to speak into your kid's life and them to be like, oh, that's genius, I think I will listen to you, mom. And then go about their business. And then somebody else speaks into that and they think, well, I know, that's ridiculous. And then flee from it. How cool of a moment would that be? That's what Jesus is describing here. Let, let me set this up for you just a second, though, because not many of us are shepherds today. Um, and a lot of us haven't spent the last two weeks studying sheep like I have to understand what Jesus is talking about here. And I love this about Jesus. When he's talking to people who are shepherds, he talks about sheep. Um, you go to John 15, he's talking to people who are messing with grapevines, and he's talking about vineyards and, and grapes. Um, and he speaks to us where we're at, which is what he's going to do to us today if we'll listen. Customarily, they, they would take all the sheep and they would gather them together into one humongous pen, uh, kind of like sheep daycare. They would just herd them all up and put them in a pen. They would hire a watchman then to come out, and his job was to protect the sheep to make sure nobody came in to steal them, make sure animals didn't come in to, to kill them. His job was to just watch the sheep overnight. In the morning, the shepherds would get up and they would walk out to the sheep pen. The dude would open the gate up and the shepherds would then start calling out to his sheep. And I don't know what they said. I'm not the sheep whisperer. I don't know what he was doing. They're like, hey, the grass looks green today. You should come and eat it. I don't know what he said, but he would start talking to his sheep. The sheep would know his voice. And, and this is where this gets really cool. Um, a lot of people think that sheep aren't very smart. And I've heard that several times, but actually sheep are crazy intelligent. They can determine the voice of their shepherd because he's talked to them so much. And sheep are very timid. If you yell at sheep, they run. You can't use dogs to herd sheep because the barking of dogs scares the sheep and they run away. So the, the shepherd would have to walk out in a very calm but dominant voice and speak to his sheep. And they would open the gate up. The gatekeeper would, the shepherd would come and he would start talking to his sheep and just calling them. And sheep are pack animals. So there's usually one or two dominant sheep in the herd. That dominant sheep hears the voice of his shepherd and starts to follow him out the gate. Because sheep are pack animals, that flock instinct kind of kicks in. And so the rest of the herd or the rest of the flock of sheep starts to follow that dominant sheep and the shepherd out to where they're going to graze. So he goes in, opens the gate, starts talking to his sheep, starts to walk off. The sheep get that instinct that kicks in, and his sheep only follows him out. The dude would shut the gate behind him, and everybody else's sheep stays in the pen. Next shepherd comes up, does the same thing. His sheep follow him off somewhere. Jesus is using this as an illustration to us because he's, what he's saying to us is, is crazy powerful right now. We, we have 
thousands upon thousands upon thousands of voices that are screaming into our lives, screaming into our kids' lives, screaming into every aspect of us, trying to get us to follow them. How do you hear the voice of God with all of that noise? How do you teach your kids to hear God's voice over the thousands upon thousands of people yelling things that really isn't helpful to anybody? It, it, starts, um, it, it starts with us teaching our kids. Some of us as parents, we're, we're so determined to teach our kids several different things. Man, we gotta teach, man, we gotta teach our boys how to shave. They're two, but they gotta learn this somehow, evidently. They, they gotta learn how to shave because we don't want them like looking like me. We gotta teach them that, man. We've gotta teach them how to cook, how to do dishes. We gotta teach them um, how to open doors and be respectful to ladies. We've gotta teach them that, and we do. Man, we, that's part of our job, we do. We gotta teach them how to drive. Lord, help us. I work with your kids. Teach them how to drive, please. We work so hard trying to teach them all of these things. We try to teach them how to cook. We try to teach them how to sew. Not so much anymore, but we should. We try to teach them all of these life lessons. We try to make sure that they're educated. We get them in school. We make sure they do their homework. We, we look at it after they do. We make sure they study for tests. We try to teach them all of these things. Can I say the most important thing you need to teach your kids is who Jesus is? If you are not teaching your kids to follow the voice of Jesus, you have failed. If you, if you lose anything in this world and there is nothing, when, when it's all said and done, your kids cannot know how to parallel park, may not know how to cook pasta, but if they know Jesus, you have succeeded as a parent. Our number one job as a parent is to teach our kids who Jesus is and to teach them to hear his voice and to follow him with their lives. And it can't be just because there's nothing else to do. We can't teach our kids to follow God because there's no gas in the four-wheeler and we just don't have anything else to do and it's Sunday, so I guess we'll go to church. We can't teach our kids to follow God when it's convenient. We've got to teach our kids what it means to follow Jesus and under no circumstances fail at that and go to our deathbed teaching and training them who Jesus is. And it's got to be, guys, Sunday and church and Jesus has got to be a priority and not just an option. And I'm not saying that because I work here. I'm saying that because it's truth. If the sheep are going to understand the voice of the shepherd, they've got to spend time with them. If your kids are going to hear and understand the voice of Jesus, they have got to spend time in his presence and they have got to know what that voice is to di differentiate that from the voice of the 13,000 strong telling them what to do. It starts with us teaching our kids to follow Christ. 42 years my mom has been teaching me what it means to follow Jesus. It started with wrestling in the living room and what it means to be respectful to my elders. Um, it, it grew as I grew up in, in my teenage years. I remember every morning walking into the living room to the kitchen area and, and seeing my mom with her Bible um, and a journal beside it and seeing her take this book and just shred it. Man, her, her Bible's written on, it's got sticky notes, it's got about 15 different colors of stuff where she's highlighted it. It started out about this thick and now it's about this thick because she's got so much stuff just crammed in it, and she knows this book by heart. I can call her and be like, hey, Mom, where's that verse? And she's like, Habakkuk 2. I'm like, God bless you. I don't even know what that means, Mom. And I'm finding it, and she's, she's on. She knows this book like crazy, and, and I've watched my mom model me what it means to follow this book, training me through her actions to follow this book. Parents, do you understand? We've got to model this to our kids. They've got to see it in our lives. She's teaching me now. Um, Mom's old. <laughs> Which I can say that because she's not here. She's, she's getting there. Um, she's battled Parkinson's now for several, several years. Um, she's just had, I think, her shoulder replaced three times because she's gotten dizzy and kind of fallen on it. 
Um, she's not able to drive as much as she used to. She loves leading worship, um, plays the accordion. I don't know if Ryan, if you're here, if we ever need an accordion player, I can hook you up. Loves leading worship. And now my mom is showing me as an adult what it means to be a servant. Because right now my, my old Parkinson's stricken mom, who really doesn't have the ability to do what she used to do, drives every Sunday morning to a truck stop in West Texas and leads worship for a group of truckers in a truck stop on the side of the road in West Texas with a little lap keyboard that my dad bought her because she wants to lead worship for a church and isn't able to anymore. So she's making a church in a truck stop in West Texas and does it every Sunday. That's what we are called to do, parents. And I've watched my dad hold her hand through the entire thing and teach me as a man what it means to be a husband in those situations and watch them. And they're training me how to follow Christ and how to listen to his voice and how to go where he's at. Parents, we have got to train our kids. We've got to teach them and fail at everything, but don't fail at showing them who Jesus is. Secondly, in this... um, Timing is, is crucial. Um, one of the worst things that we can do in parents is we're trying to teach our kids, as we're trying to train our kids, is be that constant little yappy, little nappy thing in their ear, constantly going at them nonstop about how to correct them. Can I get an amen, kids? Nonstop going in their ear, telling them what to do non- all day long. Do you understand, parents, when we do that, we, became, we become so annoying that our voice gets disguised in the 13,000 voices that's speaking into their lives, and they stop hearing us. As I was watching the fight, um, it was nuts. There were some crazy things going on. Like, dude got head kicked like crazy, which I don't know if you know if that is it. He got kicked in the head. Um, it was awesome. A um, little bit dizzy going on. And, and I'm looking at my friend, and I'm talking to him afterwards about this. And honestly, I, I called all the MMA gyms in the area. I was like, hey, talk to me for a second. Um, I'm never going to fight because I'm old and break a hip. But tell me how this works. And I'm talking to my friend, and he's like, dude, I, I've learned, listen, I've learned to hear my coach's voice over everybody else's. Because I'm asking him, dude, how do you hear your coach over the 13,000 plus people? He's like, I, I can hear my coach's voice out of anybody. It's kind of like when you're at the grocery store and you run away and mom yells at you, how you can hear her voice out of the entire store. Kind of the same thing. I've spent several, dude, I've spent years with my coach. I train with him. I spend so much time with him. I know his voice out of anybody's and it doesn't matter what's going on. You can have 9 million people screaming at me during the fight. I can still hear his voice because I've spent so much time with him. It's easy for me to pick out. Parents, do you understand that if we want our kids to hear the voice of Jesus, we got to start spending time with Jesus ourselves so that our voice mirrors his voice? Does that make sense? If we want our kids to follow Jesus, if they want to see that in our life, and that's where we're taking them, they've got to hear Jesus in our voice, which means we've got to spend time in the gym. Let me show you. It's, it's completely free. No membership fee. It's this right here. This is your gym every morning. We've got to start spending time here so that our kids hear God's voice through us and see God's voice in us. But then, th- then it goes to this. It goes to timing. And I'm watching that. And, and this is where that whole little yappy thing comes in. My friend said, hey, once, once I get hit in the face really hard, I don't hear anybody. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Um, if you're over 200 pounds and you get hit in the face really hard, you probably don't hear anything. Um, and he goes, yeah, when that happens, all I do is straight instinct. It's what I've been trained to do. And for six to eight weeks before the fight, part of my training is people punching me in the face really hard and taking my arm and twisting it and bending it in ways that it wasn't intended to bend and stressing me and stretching me mentally and physically 
to get me into that fight because sometime during that fight, most likely somebody is going to punch me really hard or they're going to get me in a submission hold and they're going to twist something that's not supposed to be twisted and it's going to hurt and I'm either going to pass out or I'm going to tap out or I'm going to fall into my training. And for me, when I get hit really hard, dude, I don't hear anything. It's like everything goes completely silent and I go back to what I've been trained to do. Do you understand, parents, if we will train our kids and how to do this? And I'm looking on the sideline during the fight, and the only time the coach, this was nuts, the only time the coach would speak into the fight was when it was a really big moment in the fight or an opportune moment in the fight or when the fighter started veering off of the game plan. He didn't yell during the entire fight. He wasn't screaming at his fighter through the entire fight. The only time he spoke to him was when something was going down that looked bad or if something really, really good was going on, and then he would speak into that, and that was it. Then the rest of the fight, he was quiet. Parents, what if we, instead of constantly in their ear going at them nonstop, what if we look for really important opportunities to speak Jesus into their lives and to show them with our life what it means to follow Jesus? and allowed them to go out then to do what God's built them to do. If we do that, I honestly feel like if we can spend some time in the gym <laughs> training them, when life hits and when it gets hard and when they get punched or when they get in a submission, when something happens that, that stresses them, they're gonna go back to their training. And what an awesome moment as a parent then to look back and to be able to sit back and watch your kids follow Jesus when times are tough. Skip down to verse 9, because this is where this gets really cool. Verse 9 says this. It says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 10, 10 is a verse we, hear, we have it on posters. It's one of those things that churches constantly talk about. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest or have it to the full. Do you understand that now the context of this verse? Because Jesus is speaking these incredibly wise words where he's saying, man, people are going to come into the gate and they're going to come and try to, to lure you as sheep away. You got to understand who those people are. Those people are thieves. They do not have your best interest in mind. And, and tell me this isn't true. And, and you, I, I would guarantee we've all had a moment like this where something bad has happened and we've noticed that all of those voices have completely disappeared. Because when times get tough, those voices who have those self-help books, all the things that we reach out to slowly kind of vanish back and we're left in that rough, in that tough situation, feeling alone. And I love what Jesus is saying here because he's saying, I am the one, man, I am the good shepherd. You want to know that I'm the good shepherd? I laid down my life. I'm going to die for you to have a life better than anything you can imagine. And I love John 10, 10, because he says the thief is going to come to steal, to kill and to destroy, to take away, to be that voice that's going to be speaking nonsense to you. But if we listen and we follow the shepherd, the promise from Jesus is that he's come to give us a life to the fullest. Not just a good life, not just a great life, but a life that we can't even imagine that's been blessed by God. I can't think of anything better to pass on to our kids. You can rebuild a car and hope that it lasts three or four generations. Um, you can not work in a church but make a lot of money and save that and pass it on to your kids. There's lots of things that you can leave behind 
But how crazy of a legacy and how awesome of a legacy would it be if we leave behind what it means to follow Jesus with our life and the abundant life that God gives us. And some of you know this to be true because some of you right now have struggled with life and maybe people have spoken to your life that didn't know what they were talking about and it didn't match up with this book and it's got you to a spot where right now you don't feel the abundant life and you're tired. One of the most frustrating and frightening things I could ever imagine would be to be locked in a cage, have no idea what I'm doing, and have no chance of winning the guy that's running at me about to to just punch me as hard as he possibly can. And sometimes that's where we feel like we are in life because we've listened to the wrong voice. And I want to challenge you this morning this, is to stop listening to people who have no idea what they're talking about and start listening to the God that created you that wants to give you life to the fullest. Parents, it's time we start spending time with our kids and start training them and start showing them with our actions, start showing them with our lives what it means to follow Jesus. They need to see that from us. Men, I know it's not Father's Day, but we always get jobbed on Father's Day, so I'm going to throw you into Mother's Day just so we can get something extra. It's time we start stepping up and start being a voice of Jesus to the ladies and the women around us. If you're single, it's time that you start following Jesus with our actions. We start listening to him and start following him so that you will attract godly women that understand and that can see what a godly man looks like. Single ladies, man, it's time you start following and listening because sometimes God is going to put somebody in front of you and you definitely are going to want to hear his voice. (laughs) Single mamas, do you understand how careful you need to be and whose voice you're allowing into the voice of your kids. And it had better be somebody whose voice mirrors the voice of Jesus. One of the things I hear all the time working with students is, um, hey, Tim, will you, um, will you talk to my kids? Because they don't listen to me, um, but they'll listen to you. And that's your first mistake, um, thinking that anybody would listen to me. They, they, hey, talk to me. And, and do you understand, I've 17 years I've got to work with students, and over 17 years I've heard that. Hey, Tim, talk to my kids because they won't listen to me, but they'll listen to you. Um, Do you understand who the most powerful voice is in the life of your kids? It's not television. It's not Little Wayne. It's not me. It's you. It's you as a parent. You as a parent have more of the most powerful voice your kids will ever hear. And they're going to follow you. And they're just like the sheep are, in, are instinctual and they're going to follow that lead, that lead, whatever it is. They're going to follow you and mirror what we do. How cool would it be to teach them who Jesus is? How, how awesome of a legacy would it be for us as parents, moms, for you as parents to pass that on to your kids. Dad, for you to speak into their life, to spend time with them to love on them, to teach them what a godly man looks like in that relationship, to teach them what it means to hear the, God, the voice of God. And I don't know if, man, we, did, we didn't get there, but look in verse 27, because it's not just listening. There's something that goes with listening. And if, you don't, if these two don't go together, then you really haven't heard anything. Verse 27 says this, and this is Jesus, because after he speaks this, there's still a ton of people that don't believe. Verse 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Powerful. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them. And let that sink in for a minute. Do you understand that that's saying the creator of the universe knows each and every one of us, not just by name, not just by favorite color, not just by eye color, not by favorite food. 
He knows each and every one of us intimately. He knows everything about each and every one of us. The creator of the universe, six billion plus, however many people there are in this world, and he knows everything about you. So much so that he knows what he needs to do to be in your life, and he's speaking to you right now. And many of us are like, Tim, God doesn't speak to me. I can't hear him. And it's not that God is silent. It's just that there's so much noise, you can't hear him. My sheep know my voice, and I know them. How powerful is that? You struggling with something right now? Let that sink in. Parenting maybe isn't all it was cracked up to be. It wasn't in that book that we read, that little manual that they give you as you're about to have a baby that really is worthless. It's rough. The creator of the universe knows you. He goes on to say, and this is, this is, this is big, and they follow me. Because do you understand that it's not enough to hear the voice of God? If we don't follow, then we really didn't hear. Because if we don't have action followed, that's, that's obedience, followed by listening, then we really didn't listen. All we did was have more background noise. My sheep know, hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. If God is telling us to do something, one of the smartest things we can do is to do it, is to follow him. Parents, can I, can I say this? Um, Fail it, parallel parking. We don't parallel park really anyway. Nobody ever does. They just pull into a different spot. Um, fail it, cooking. We got Chipotle down the street. There's lots of good places we can go eat. Fail it, um, fail it teaching them how to match their colors. They don't need to know if, what socks go with whatever and if a purse matches this. We really don't need that. Don't fail at teaching your kids who Jesus is. And at the end of the day, when you're drawing your last breath, when this life is over, make sure that, that your kids have seen Jesus in you. There's a reason that I am who I am. And I relate everything good in me to the fact that I have two godly parents that for 42 years I have watched Jesus live in front of my eyes. I've watched God speak to me through my parents. I've watched them teach me what it means to follow him when it's easy. I've watched them teach me what it means to follow Jesus when it's difficult. I've watched them teach me what it means to follow Jesus when you lose a job, when you get a job, when you have to move, when times are tough, when the bills aren't being met. I've watched two people teach me what it means to follow Jesus. And I'm gonna go to my deathbed trying to pass that on to my kids. Parents, one of the best things that we can do is to be a voice of Jesus into the lives of our kids. Do, do you understand? Let me give you one last little nugget, a little lamb chop a sheep um, genius. When the sheep go out into the field and they're grazing, wolves come to pick them off. Instinct kicks in for the sheep and they, they clump together because there's safety in numbers. So when, when an animal would come to attack the sheep, the sheep come together because they know if one sheep strays off, that sheep becomes dinner. So they clump together and they stay together. Do you understand that the safest place for a sheep to be is close to the shepherd? Where are you leading your kids? You gotta model it. We've gotta teach them. And then we've gotta look for those moments to speak that into their lives. 
And if today you've been listening to so many other voices that today for some reason John 10, 10 makes sense and you want a life more abundant, today is the day for you to step into a life, to stop listening to voices who don't know and to listen to the voice of the God who created you, who has a plan for you and a plan that's better than anything we can imagine. Where are we gonna lead our kids, parents? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this special day that you've allowed us to be a part of, and, and that is Mother's Day. Thank you for our mothers, and I pray that you'll help us to obey them, to listen to them, and above all things, if there is anyone here today that's never accepted you in their heart, that they will do it now. What a joy it is for our mother to see her children accept Jesus in their hearts and be saved. As a mother, I pray, Father, that our relationship with you is so very close. Help us to teach our children in order to have a relationship with you. We must talk to you, walk with you, and include you in everything we do. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.